0: G'day, guys. I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 126 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining in once again now it's really interesting a lot of you guys would remember a band called KISS uh, <laughs> uh, if you were born back in the 70s and 80s and so forth and um, yeah I come across a, a band a little while back called Calidad now Calidad are a, an amazing instrumental band and um, what uh, is different about Calidad is they actually dress up uh, not so much like KISS but they paint their faces and um, it gives them character and makes them uh, stand out. They're really unique. So their music is one thing, but the show that they put on is uh, is another. And um, today's guest, Jason Janus, is um, basically one of the, the, the main people in Colour The When I say the main, there's three of them. Uh, so Jason's um, you know, created this uh, a few years ago, and uh, they're very well renowned in the music scene throughout Australia. They. We're playing all around the place uh, pre-COVID and um, post-COVID I'm sure they're going to uh, take off even further. So I've seen Caledad a few times and um, it just makes you feel good. Their music is is incredible. Now Jason's got an amazing story himself. You know, he found a passion for music uh, as a young fella and that's been his life ever since. So what I hope you guys get from this conversation is being able to find what it is that you're passionate about and being able to um, create a life around that because if we can all do that then our lives are fulfilled, we're happy, healthy, well, mentally, um, you know, primarily and uh, I guess a lot of the mental health issues that we're experiencing at the moment uh, come in because we're out of alignment. So, you know, Jason's going to give us a, a good snapshot of, his, a snapshot of his own journey and also what he's been able to uh, you know bring to other people's lives through doing something that he loves so um, yeah really sure you're going to enjoy this chat and um, yeah, he's such a, a beautiful young fella um, it's going to be an awesome conversation so please share it with others just want to make special mention to our primary partner Green Nutritionals who provide green organic superfoods so if you're lacking something in your diet uh, really encourage you to check out their website their products are purely organic uh, and ethical and um yeah very very good for our physical and mental well-being so please uh, support them greennutritionals.com.au also if you're looking for work in WA or Queensland I really encourage you to check out MacForce Australia they're a uh, ethical ethical labour provider so if you're looking to bring people into your business or you're looking for work please check them out MacForce macforce.com.au ecomau Alrighty, hope uh, you enjoy this chat as I said uh, please share it with others welcome to the outback mind podcast jason
1: thank you very very much for having me
0: no worries mate uh, absolute pleasure and uh is this the first podcast you've done or have you actually been involved with a few before
1: um i could count them on one hand <laughs> my friend my friend broden who actually filled in on guitar for calidad for a very short time there during COVID, when all borders were closed and stuff mm-hmm. um broden's had he came and played a few shows with us really really well as well he started a podcast called Chats with the Musos. Ah. And I was honored to be his first guest. So I did that one. Yeah. And Ah. he's still doing that, obviously, Chats with the Musos. And then actually, uh, completely separate from probably what we're going to talk about today, but one of my long-term bucket list items since I was a young kid was to make a movie. So actually, uh, actually when COVID struck, the first time I ever heard the word COVID or the word lockdown or any of that, I was in the Dane tree with a bunch of mates making a horror movie.
0: Oh, really? And,
1: um, yeah, they basically said, you've got to, you know, the Australian government, whatever, everyone's got to lock down, everyone's got to isolate. We'd never heard this stuff before. We were, at the time, we had about 13 of us in two Airbnbs up in the Daintree making a B-grade zombie horror movie.
0: Jeez, and did you so get we figured, you got well, in
1: or what? Well, no, I got stuck for a while, but, like, we're all here, we're all isolated, no one's coming in or out of here. So rather than send everyone home, we stayed for several more days and finished the movie and then went back into a world that had changed forever with people fighting over toilet paper and all the rest of it.
0: Unbelievable.
1: But through that film, yeah, it was crazy. It was ridiculous. But through the process of releasing that film, which is called Bush Bash, um, I did a couple podcasts like horror movie podcast, indie movie podcast. But that's it, really. I'm very, very new to it.
0: Unbelievable, mate. Well, I'm sure you're going to be an expert after this chat. Don't worry. So I'm what going to have to look up that movie Bush Bash. So I'll, I'll do that. Mate, uh, it's really... pretty wild. Bush
1: bash is like pretty, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit offensive. It's a bit violent. It's pretty ridiculous, but we had a lot of fun.
0: Oh, mate, uh, that's what it's all about, isn't it? And, and that's what I yeah. love about what you guys do because you, you do have fun, fun with it. But, mate, I want to hear a bit about your own journey, like, you know, where you were brought up, um, sort of your, your life uh, to that sort of pivotal moment when you were 11 and sort of how it's all unfolded for you from there.
1: Sure. You might have to ask me questions. I don't think I'm going to just unload my whole life story in a few paragraphs, but <laughs> we'll
0: I'm going to talk
1: about whatever you want.
0: Yeah, good stuff. So so you were brought up in Sydney?
1: Yes, born and raised in Sydney. Actually, I moved to the Gold Coast about two or three months ago, and that's the only time I've... This is the first time I've not lived in Sydney. I've travelled widely, but I've never not lived in Sydney up until August or whenever it was.
0: So you, uh, you picked up a guitar when you were 11, and from our conversation, that was probably the... Uh, the 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 instrument and the gateway which uh which you know basically transform your life
1: um yeah it was pretty much love at first sight i actually always wanted to be a drummer but my mom just simply wouldn't have the noise of a drum kit in the house (laughs) and this was before electric drums were widely available so drums was just it was just like you're not playing the drums and um basically from my first guitar lesson it was just okay cool i've got something to do now that was pretty much it just like i play the guitar you know that should be enough to keep me busy for the rest of my life. Like, this, you know, I've got to go find all these bands. I've got to start going to concerts. I've got to... So that was it. Yeah, head over heels from the first lesson.
0: So, so you you went through school. Did you go all the way to year 12, or did you pretty much get into music as a, as a career before the, I suppose, the school pathway um, unfolded for you?
1: No, I went all through year 12. I actually went to um, Sydney Grammar School, a reasonably fancy school in Sydney. I got very, very good marks. I actually did my first 2 years of law school after um high school as well. Mm, my plan my plan was to smash through a university as quickly as possible as a lawyer, like get smash through a law degree and then be a big shot lawyer for just a few years and then get enough money to retire and play guitar. That was my plan, dead set. Jeez. And then um I was actually working in a barristers chambers when I was about 18 and one of the barristers had me banking his money for him, my cheques. And I would never say this now, but as 18, I didn't have the, you know, training I have now. So basically he gave me a cheque. It was like 40 grand. I was like, I couldn't help but say, wow, I, I banked this much money for you yesterday, which, you know, you'd never say that to someone now, but I did. Yes, and he's like, "Yeah, well," he goes, "Yeah, well, I never see my kids. I never see my family. I can't stand this place. Get out of here while well, you still can."
0: Really, that and is... like
1: dead set. He said that to me, and he was a very well known, widely respected, and excellent barrister in Sydney. Mm. And I'd been having suspicions. I was like, "I'm not sure my plan's going to work here to like you know get really rich in three years and then bugger off and start a band." <laughs> and he kind of confirmed my suspicions. And as soon as I realised that my plan was not viable. And I was going to have to choose, you know, I couldn't like quickly get the benefits of being a, a top shot lawyer and then quickly bugger off and start a band while I was you know, still young and had energy and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, very soon after that, I went traveling to South America and then basically realized what I had to do. And that involved obviously like disappointing parents and stuff like that and dropping out of uni, but did what I had to do. And certainly haven't regretted it for a split second.
0: Amazing, mate. How lucky are you that uh, that, that obviously you, you had that 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 undercurrent there anyway of, of you know following your passion, but this guy fast tracked things quite a bit. And um, uh, look, look you, you just think about that. That that poor guy's worked his whole life to realise that his life is soulless because he's just driven by money and that energy which which is money in its essence is 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 not serving him as an individual, you know. So so how lucky were you to be able to tap into your real purpose early before having to go through all the soup? And I don't know the three-year thing might have gone into five or ten years because you were making all this money and you becoming, become attached to that. But to you know being able to sort of be aware of um you know your truth early on, I think, is so important and so powerful.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you, he saved me. I mean, we won't mention his name, but he's a widely respected, lovely person, kind person. Um, you know, a real like he's a. T- top guy and a top barrister, but he, he dead set pulled me aside and just said, look, get out of here while you still can. And, mm. um, uh, you know, what a, you know, my mum wasn't thrilled,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt, <laughs> no doubt, but it happened. That's what happened.
1: And, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And, uh, in hindsight, you know, a lot of my friends that work corporate, they don't even make that much money. We all thought if you work in a suit and tie, you must be rich. It's not even true anyway.
0: Yes. I've been there and done it's that, It's not mate. even
1: true anyway. Like, <laughs> they don't even get paid that much. I mean, top barristers sure, whatever, but a lot of my mates that stayed on the uni path or whatever, they're perfectly happy as well, but they're not mm. They're not driving around in Ferraris, that's for sure.
0: Yes, I guess it's a fairy tale, and it's uh, something we've all been spun to think that the, that this is going to bring prosperity and happiness and all that type of stuff, mate. But you know as well as I do that happiness comes from giving to others and seeing others smile and all the, all the gifts that, uh, that go along with that.
1: Totally. I sometimes think to myself, now I, you know, have got things or achieved things I couldn't have dreamed of. Um, for example, I bought my first house recently and it's like, oh my god, like, I remember, <laughs> I remember when I couldn't pay the rent. I remember, you know, when I couldn't get a taxi to band practice or because it was no. but you know what I mean? Like, I remember the struggle and not that I'm not, you know, like, and it's like, but nothing's really changed. Mm. It's like, when we couldn't pay the rent, we thought, imagine if we could just make rent this week, how happy we'd be, you know, if it wasn't for that, like, you know, 200 bucks we need to get before Friday, imagine how good our lives would be. And obviously Mm. things change, but you're no happier or less happier than you were then. It's just internal. And I'm really working on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well said, mate. And how how old are you now, Jace? 34. 34. Incredible. And, uh, yeah, you, you're right. And, and and it is a journey. It's a consistent thing of, um, uh, of sort of finding that reality and letting go of what, um, what doesn't serve you, I guess, uh, at the end of the day. And once you do that, like, everything appears for you and, and works for you rather than against you. So when you're sort of in that uh, survival mode, it's it's so hard to live to your purpose. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, if you're doing something like you're, like you're doing and you're passionate about that, then everything starts to evolve and take care of itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I said, in the early days of the band, we would literally... And we'd have like, you know, simple jobs, here, retail jobs or bartender jobs or whatever. You know, we were two of the three of us were studying at university at the time and we'd go busking, you know, for coins on Friday nights and stuff. It was a very like kind of carefree existence. Mm. But um, as I said, our idea of success then was literally like making rent so we can party all through next week. And you know what I mean? But mm, yeah. things change, but um, you don't really change that much unless the change comes with from within.
0: Yes, that's true. And you've got to really want it and i'm really interested to hear about the journey with with regards to you know yourself as a musician but also forming Calidad and, and sort of how that came about and um yeah obviously like the people that know you and know the band it's it's such a, a profound um you know form of music but also the the character that you and energy you bring with it with um you know with the, the way you dress and so forth is is very very unique and and that, um, that sort of inspired me as an individual because I had that, that thing with Kiss years ago and I haven't seen anyone else paint their faces since then. So, you know, there's a bit of a, an attraction with that, but the music is, is so unique. And when did you guys form? You, you guys went to school together early on and sort of have you known each other a, a fair while obviously now?
1: We did. Well, before I tell the story, firstly I'll tell you as well that during COVID we actually changed one band member of Caledad. So Tomy Gray, who's joined us on guitar, has uh been with us for about six months now but he was there at the start about 10 or nine years ago but he was in another band at the time so we knew him we played shows with him but we never could have dreamed he was also the singer in that band so we never could have dreamed he'd be our guitarist mm-hmm. but when it started it was myself jules our drummer who we call senior bang bang is a bit of a laugh but <laughs> yeah and um we had tom raven playing guitar so those two were best friends and flatmates and then actually my little brother was their best friend. So I'm two years older than the other two guys. Mm. And, um, they were always all through high school and stuff, you know, they'd have parties at my parents' house and stuff like that. And I'd like make sure my you know parents didn't find their beer bottles and stuff like that. So I was always <laughs> the big brother from, from when we were, you know, teenagers. Mm. Um, or I'd, you know, I'd have a car before them or whatever. So that was always the relationship. Like I was always the big brother, two years older, but, um, as it turned out as i was starting to finish high school and starting to look to get a band together i knew a handful of people that played the drums and to my absolute astonishment my little brother's best mate was head and shoulders above any of them Mm. and he still is we've still never found a drummer that can you know hold a flame to jewels he's that good and even as we you know we tour internationally and stuff like that you know he'll be recognized as the best drummer around essentially anywhere we go Mm. which is pretty amazing and he was just my little brother's you know unassuming best mate and he still is he's Mm. as humble and cool as you could imagine he's just got this unbelievable talent that some people don't the more you watch him the more you realize how good he is
0: yes yeah he's
1: not up there doing 20 minute solos or doing handstands or you know
0: yes um yeah and it takes a lot of energy to be able to do what he does mate like just watching him and the amount of uh, fitness that, <laughs> that's required to be able to bang a drum for those periods of time, um, you know, is pretty unique.
1: Totally. So it started with him. Um, well, my friend and I, my friend was singing at the time. We've since kind of decided to branch off into different directions, but we're still, mates. So it was me, as singer, and then we found the drummer, Jules. We kicked around for several years in Sydney, whether we'd play, like, acoustic music in cafes or we'd play electric music basically in empty pubs. Um, We're doing our best, you know, but it's hard to get a band off the ground, as anyone will tell you. So we had multiple uh, attempts that generally would end with one of the band members basically choosing work or study over the band. So we were always wanting to be super, super dedicated.
0: Mm.
1: You know, we'd make sure, for example, that we lived close to the other guys in the band. We'd make sure that we had a job that was flexible, things like that. And uh, it was pretty hard to find people. It was easy enough to find people to have a jam on the weekend. It was very hard to find people willing to commit to something like that, especially when there's no money coming in. Yes. So every year or so, you know, the bass player would move on, the guitarist would move on, and never with hard feelings. It was just like, hey, this guy got you know a corporate job. He's not going to be around. Cool. Let's get someone else. And uh, each time we changed lineup, we changed the name of the band and often the sound. So you know, we did metal, we did funk. Not that we not that we were kind of genre hopping, just that we were happy to be flexible. Whatever our fellow band members would bring to the table, I know I'd be happy to be flexible. And so someone was like, hey, I'm into funk bass playing. Cool, let's play some funky sort of stuff. Or, hey, I wrote some, you know? Mm. Um, so we wished and watched a few times there over the years. And as a hobby, I got into Spanish guitar and Jules's flatmate, Tom Raven, um, who was just literally his flatmate. It was like, hey, he had a little bit of drumming experience. And it was like... You know if you've got some drumming ability which you did um i can just show you a couple of real simple guitar chords and you can basically drum on the guitar mm. that could be cool and basically as soon as we started playing like that with the fast spanish guitar stuff almost immediately we were in demand basically people were booking us it started off really small but pretty much from day one we were getting booked and getting paid and it just happened like we found our thing we stumbled upon our sound
0: mm, amazing here to sort of like go through all the other uh other other i suppose mainstream things and, and come across something that's really unique with what you do and mate um it's like if anyone like hasn't heard spanish guitar or, or heard of, of calidad i really encourage you to google them and uh and and look at what they do and also on youtube and um and spotify and the main channels just listen to their music it's it's very very unique and amazing and Mate, um, you, you obviously picked up a Spanish guitar for a reason. When did that happen? Well,
1: it's funny because i kind of come full circle. My first ever guitar was a Spanish guitar, but simply because it was the cheapest one. <laughs> yeah. And then my parents said, if you play, because I wanted, an, like what kid doesn't want an electric guitar, especially a heavy metal kid like me? Mm. But it was like, if you, you've got to practice for a full year and, you know, not miss your lessons, and your teacher's got to say you're doing well for a full year, then you can get the electric guitar. So that first year, all I cared about was kind of, and when you're a kid, you're in a rush. So all I wanted to do was get through that year, learn as much as I could and get my electric guitar, which is what happened. Mm. Um, So then for many, many years, I focused on electric guitar, but then long story short, we're playing in a metal band. Metal's actually my favorite music. And I saw a wonderful Spanish guitarist in Sydney um and my plan was to learn just enough spanish guitar that we could have like a heavy metal song that had like a spanish guitar intro you know a lot of a lot of rock songs will have an acoustic intro or a start off quiet and end up heavy or whatever Mm. and i thought let me just get enough down on the spanish guitar that we can do like a really cool spanish style song that would be awesome right and i should only need a couple chords for that and uh that that search is still continuing that that little foray into spanish guitar never ended
0: Mm, amazing, mate. And, and the sounds that you get out of that thing is um, <clears throat> pretty incredible. But what, 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 what I'm interested in is obviously you've got um, the, you know, a new member in the, in the band, which has just come along um, you know, reasonably recently. Like, what was that like? Because you guys had obviously had a, you know, a, a good uh, connection with the three of you, like bringing someone in. Was it, was it an easy integration or was it hard to, uh, to, to teach someone new and to be able to sort of get things working properly?
1: Well, tommy's been as good as you could possibly hope for we've had that conversation with a few people we couldn't have dreamed um i mean you you basically never want to be replacing people and no one wants to have a band that they listen to change members It just you know but in, in the reality of real life and with all the pressures of COVID and stuff you know tom raven decided to start the new chapter of his life which was perfectly reasonable because i was thinking similar i mean i think about quitting all the time i never do it but i think about it all the time so i couldn't really blame him when it was like well you know everyone's locked down at home there's like you know it was pretty rough times so Mm. he decided to move on and that was fine um my initial thought was to quit as well i just thought well that's it and i kind of just sat there and was like "Hmm, what a shame like you know i was really enjoying (laughs) i was really enjoying being a guitar player what a shame i can't do that anymore and i thought about it a bit more and i was like I'm not going to quit just because someone else wants to quit. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to have my career end when someone else decides it should end. I'll decide when my own career ends. Yes. Um, which I'm sure will be the day I die. That's definitely the plan.
0: Mm,
1: mm. Um, and then yeah. So the first thought I had was like, well, who's the best Spanish guitarists I know? And I reached out to a few of them, and none of them were quite right for various reasons. And I was like, shit, this isn't going to work. Oh, excuse me for swearing. Mm. I was like, okay. And then I sat in my car and I was having a think about it. And I was like, I was like, it's not about who's the best Spanish guitarist. It's like, who's a great person who wants to develop themselves. Who's a great, you know, got great rhythm. Who's got a great work ethic. Who's a great, I was like, there's so much more that goes into this than playing the guitar. And then I sat and looked at it from that perspective. I was like, who's the best all rounder I know. And instantly I was like, Tommy Gray. I was like, he's perfect. And as soon as, I thought about him. I knew he was going to say yes as well, even though I hadn't, you know, spoken to him about it because it just kind of came to me. I was like, that's the guy and he's going to be perfect. He's going to love it. We're going to love him. And we've been friends for so long. So I reached out to Tommy that day, basically. Um, he was just like we were excited but cautious because, you know, we knew it was a big commitment we were all getting into. Mm-hmm. And then we went up and saw him on the Gold Coast a couple because we were living in Sydney. He was living in Gold Coast. So we went up and had two trips to the Gold Coast, just as COVID was lightening up enough for us to be able to do that. And um, it's been better than ever, Cali. sounding and feeling better than ever. We've actually got more drive, more professionalism than we did before.
0: So that was a catalyst of you moving from New South Wales to the Goldie?
1: That's right. At the time, actually, when I called him, actually, it was funny because I was like, you know, would you be interested in this? We're going to tour. We're going to do this. We'll take you to Europe, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I would absolutely love to, but I'm not moving back to Sydney. That was his one condition. (laughs) You know, that was his one condition. Yes. He's like, I'm not moving back to Sydney. And at the time, it was like, you don't have to move. Because basically, especially pre-COVID, Caledad travels so much. Mm. As long as you can get yourself to an airport once or twice a month, it doesn't really matter where you live because we spend so much time on the road. You can rehearse on the road. So I said, look, that's not going to be an issue. You know, we'll fly up and see you. You can come and see us sometimes. We'll travel together. So you can stay where you are. But then we went and um, we went up to the Gold Coast twice from Sydney to audition slash rehearse. And um, it was just so much better up here on the Gold Coast than it was in Sydney. And the real catalyst for me was in May. So this was May 2021. That was this year. Mm. May 2021, about six months ago, um, we did a one week rehearsal session on the Gold Coast and it was beautiful, and I was waking up at 4 and 5 a.m. and going for a jog and a swim along the beach and then going to band practice, just having this really great lifestyle. And then I got home to Sydney, and I was freezing cold, and I'm like, this is not good enough. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: You know, like, I came home, and my wife is huddling next to the heater, like, oh, it's so cold, and it's locked down and whatever else, mm. um, or whatever it was, locked lockdown. You know, it's gone up and down. The status has gone up and down many times. So, what, you know... And I was like, okay, we're actually moving to the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, Tomy's officially in the band. The band's officially based there now. And it's so cold here and it was so nice there just yesterday morning. Mm. And that was that.
0: Amazing, mate. That, that That's so good. And you're just following, following your intuition there and sort of letting letting like things basically take care of themselves. And obviously since you've been up here, you've been able to sort of tour up and down the coast and, and not able to leave. But it's actually worked out really well for you because you've – been able to um i suppose create a bit of a uh um you know a, a following within the state here and that's really you know um driving um you know some interest in what you do and uh you know how things will evolve from uh, here who knows but it's interesting mate, um like listening about your, your journey and, and, and touring and that type of thing uh, when did this all start so you, you actually had and, and this is this is something that will be of interest to that to the listeners um obviously you 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 had you know and it's a fair commitment to be a a professional musician a musician in its essence and a lot of people would be interested in you know how you actually make a living out of that but um primarily being able to uh you know be be confident enough to say yeah this is what i do and then have a forward plan of um gigs ahead of you so you are confident you're going to have um you know sustained income i suppose is something which is um really important but um you know when did this all sort of start to take off for you when you were confident or when you you sort of had some confidence to say well yeah this is um this is us and this is what we do and this is how we make our living
1: i was working in a um this was probably about a year or two into the band so we started tentatively playing in melbourne and brisbane From once again from sydney and we definitely the first few times we lost money like we'd spend more money on flights and accommodation and maybe a higher car or whatever we were losing money the first few tours but you know we were playing in melbourne or whatever we thought this is gonna you know imagine if we could build up an audience in melbourne so it was definitely there was no question that we were willing to lose money to do that um but basically what started happening we'd be on some of these little tours and someone might say for example oh you know i've got a gig for you guys on sunday night Come and, you know and we'd say look we'd love to but we've got flights on sunday morning because we've got to get back to work on monday mm. and it got to a point a crossover point where basically work started to cost us money it's like god damn if we could just let's say we could tour from thursday till monday and play four shows in melbourne or whatever instead of touring waiting till we finish work on Friday night, then fly out late Friday night or early Saturday morning. Basically, flights that are around the work week are the most expensive flights.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: So if you want to fly, if you want to do your flights and get back for the Monday to Friday, those are the most expensive flights. And it got to a point where, A, work was sick of how much time we were taking off, and B, we realised we would actually make more money if we didn't have to get to work because... We were turning down gigs, and we were always on the most expensive flights, simply so we didn't miss work. Yeah. And so that hit a kind of crossover point. It's like, hold on a second. It's actually like it would actually be more profitable not to go to work. But I can't not go to work. I can't let them down. Blah 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 blah. Mm. Um, and there was still that fear of uh, that's still that fear of even then. What if you know, like you're kind of so indoctrinated throughout your life, or I know I was that. If you do anything except work in an office, you'll be starving to death in the gutter and die of malnutrition. You know, like (laughs) that's how what that's truly what I was led to believe as a kid. Mm. Um, And society doesn't help with that. So, what we did, we gave work six months' notice. My work kind of sat me down as well. They're like, look, I was working in a film studio at the time, so it was a pretty involved job, and I truly loved it. That was the thing as well. Film's my other passion. Like I said, to my bucket list to make a film. I was working um, at Fox Studios in Sydney in a film studio, so I was loving my job. Mm. And they just sat me down and went, look, also the boss came to a show, and it was like, we love what you're doing. We can see you're doing something special. But, you know, we've got our business here as well, and, like, you know, we need to think about, how much time you're taking off and so it was kind of like do or die basically and it was like well your film studio will be perfectly fine without me but the band you know we can't abandon each other so i gave six months notice at work so did the other guys and we booked literally we booked ourselves like as solid as we could possibly do. we just booked and booked and booked shows and we had this like ridiculously long list of tour dates and i remember sitting there looking at it and i was like well i think. If we play all those shows, we probably won't starve. Like we'll probably still be alive, you know. Which was still the mentality. And of course, you know, we've been, we've had ups and downs, and you have your lean months and your, you know, your great months. But um, we've never looked back. That's for sure.
0: When was that, mate? Like?
1: Two thousand and I have to think about this. I think the soccer World Cup was in Germany. What year was that?
0: Mate, I haven't got a clue my son had known, but I couldn't. uh, couldn't I think it was about
1: 2012, 2013. Hold on, give me a sec to think about this.
0: So, almost 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been about nine years. Yeah. Calidad's been going for about nine or ten years, and we've been professional for like eight or nine years.
0: So. So, it was
1: during the soccer world cup in germany whenever that was actually i could just like google it for you real quick
0: <laughs> um <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon it's yeah actually from memory i do remember that and it probably was 2012 i reckon but anyway that
1: sounds right to me
0: yeah mate that was gutsy and um you know i guess there's there's people listening to this podcast that are Probably had a, had a bit of a crossroad with their lives on, you know. Do I do what I'm passionate about, or do I stay with the safety? And I actually had, um, you know, I've those realizations, uh, you know, all the time too, you know, and I have all my life. But being able to go into what you're passionate about is is really important for your own mental health, I guess. But you've been able to sustain the lifestyle since then, which is, you know, you're not living off the smell of an oily rag. You're able to actually like generate an income where you can. Now, potentially buy a house like what you have now and you've been able to sort of make some some uh, some inroads into being a, a sustainable professional musician by the sounds of it?
1: Yeah. Firstly, I'm looking at Google real quick. Maybe <laughs> it was the 2014 World Cup, which was in Brazil. Maybe Germany won that World Cup. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of.
0: Okay, yeah, Yep. Yeah. Because
1: it wasn't 2006, because I finished high school in 2004. So 2006, we were, you know, hustling to pay the rent um so it must have been 2014 world cup and maybe germany won that world cup Mm -hmm. but anyway
0: yeah
1: um you're asking about surviving as a band basically yes yeah um well when i was younger my idea of being in a band was that i would like wake up in the morning do some drugs and like a limousine would pick me up and put me on my private jet and i'd play in like (laughs) the world's football stadiums and like drive my ferrari to my castle that's kind of what i when i was 13 i was like that's like what being in a band means right (laughs) yeah yeah and i was like that should be fine um once again just like with the other plans in my life i was like well that's not actually how it works and um i think just from a very also, I come from a family of entrepreneurs and especially my dad's side of the family. It's very much like y- you've got to do things yourself. You know, you can never rely on anyone as much as yourself. Mm. So from a very, very young age, also with all my corporate experience and stuff like that, because, you know, I worked for lawyers, I worked for accountants, I worked for real estate agents. And my parents are both, you know, kind of corporate professionals um, and business owners um from a very young age i kind of realized we had to be professional whereas a lot of bands you know at the start it was like yeah how much can you party how late can you stay up how many days can you stay up for all that stuff mm. and that was fine but i was like well we didn't really have a very good gig after we stayed up for three days in fact we were an absolute useless shamozzle right mm. Um, so I realized the business side of it was important. And I used to read books by bands like, I don't know, Black Sabbath or Iron Maiden. Yep. And they'd be like, in pretty much every rock and roll book I ever read as a kid, the manager or the record company, someone always took all the money, basically. Mm. Mm. And they'd be like, you know, we're Iron Maiden. We're like number one on the charts. You know, we just sold 20 million albums, but we're apparently broken in debt. And I'm like, well, that might be fine for Iron Maiden because they can just go and be Iron Maiden for a few more years and they'll probably make all their money back. But like, I'm never going to be that big. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to try and skip the step where the manager steals all the money or the record company steals all the money. Or, you know, not steals, but you know, you sign a dodgy contract or whatever.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Every single rock and roll book had the dodgy contract. I was like, well, I'm going to make sure I don't sign the dodgy contract. So what I'll do is I'll try and learn about band management and stuff like that. So that when the manager comes along, I know what we're talking about. And like, A, a manager never really came along and B, the handful that did either was so bad. You know, people would like offer to manage us, but just not be impressive people. Um, or some of them, and I, some people have pulled me aside and said, look, you're actually doing such a good job. You should just do it on your own. You know, you, you guys are fine doing things on your own. So we're still our self-managed. We're still self-financed. Mm. Um, and all the money stays within the band. So most professional-level bands, when they earn money, only some percentage of that money will end up in the pockets of the band members. Mm. With Calidad, every cent ends up back with the band, even though more than half of it is allocated to expenses and travel funds and stuff like that. Yes. But at least it's with us.
0: Yes, that's right. Got you know, and it's
1: all, it's all in a separate bank account as well. And I do do all that management kind of stuff. And I genuinely enjoy it. But um, as I said, I just wanted to know enough about the music industry so that the industry couldn't rip us off.
0: Mm, mm.
1: But we're also in that funny in-between period where we're like, we're not big enough to really make a lot of money for a company, but we're small enough where it is a viable business, where, you know, the band members make a living from it. So we're in this kind of like in-between where the industry doesn't really want to know about us. But, you know, I've had a lot of people once again pull me aside and say, hey, like, you know those guys that are on the radio or on triple j or on the main stage of this festival or whoever they look flashy i've had plenty of people tell me you know you guys are making more money than they are they just um got all the machine behind them but there's no money left at the end of all that yeah so very like um scrappy very like um street level once again like with busking and stuff like that like um you know with busking it's just like how much money do you take home at the end of the day whereas a lot of big Music company strategies will be about like five and ten year deals, or we'll chuck a million bucks in this band because maybe they'll make 10 million bucks down the line. We don't think like that, we're like, you know, mm. got to pay the bills every week, got to pay the guys every week, got to get the flights to the next place. Yes. So it's always been very independent, very, um, yeah, very scrappy, very kind of almost like street level business, very basic. And we've been doing it for so long now, I'm perfectly happy doing it. and. <laughs> would gladly hand over the business reins to someone that I liked and trusted and was better than me at it. But we haven't really, everyone that's really good at it is doing really big bands and they're really busy. Mm, yeah. Yes. All the good agents and all the good managers are way too busy to take on anyone. And we appear to be invisible anyway to the music industry. So
0: mm.
1: I just plod along.
0: Oh, mate, it's grassroots stuff. And, and that's, that's yeah. the, the uniqueness of what you're yeah. doing. And i guess that's what people love you know you're you're, you're not um you're not a you know a, a you know a big ticket act but at the same time you've got the, the the trust and respect of uh of the communities out there to uh to to embrace what you're doing and and i guess that's what makes you really unique to be able to be um you know uh the working class in some essence without having the bells and whistles that go along with it and, and i've had other musicians uh, you know, on this podcast and i've had to talk to agents and all those sorts of things and it becomes like a like a you know i can't be bothered with all the bullshit sometimes you know but uh but i've been um determined to get the right people onto this podcast so people can hear about their stories particularly you know their mental health challenges and so forth which a lot of musicians that um that, that are out there go through uh you know silently um i guess you know and um yeah, you know, I can see, uh, you know, or hear by talking to some of those guys that they really wish that they could have autonomy again, and um, they haven't got that because they've got so big. So it's actually taken a fair bit of their, um, uh, their personal, um, I suppose, touch away.
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of acts that do have all the. Bells and whistles. They're signed to this big record company, and they're with this big manager, and they're whatever. You know, they got this publishing deal and this distribution deal. Half that stuff, I don't even know what it means. Yeah. But then I see them at, let's say, a festival. I'm like, well, you're doing exactly what we're doing. You just turned up in a hire car from the same airport as us. You're carrying your own gear. You do You know what I mean? I'm like,
0: yeah.
1: What do all these big companies do? You're playing either right before us or right after us on the same stage.
0: Mm.
1: But we just emailed the festival owner, and you've got all these. Sony and Warner Music and stuff. I'm like, I don't really get it. You know, like, yes. where's your limo? Where's your, you know, where's your? Like, why are you? Why are you here right next to us if you're so fancy and we're just independent? And I see that all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, look, we'd love to be playing in football stadiums, and I'm under, I'm well aware that every band that gets really big, you need, you know, adult supervision for one of a better term. And I look forward to those days. But um, as I said, I just kind of said, I'll do it till someone else does it. It's been almost 10 years now. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Incredible, mate. And yeah,
1: you know, we're one of the few bands that pays the rent from being a band. Um, and we just keep on keeping on. What else can you do, you know? <laughs> Except to keep on keeping on.
0: Keep doing what you're doing, mate, because it's working, you know? I, 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 well, I, thank you. It really is. It is working and it's... um. It's unique and you know it's inspiring not many people leave there feeling depressed put it that way you know when they go and see one of your um your shows so when did the face painting thing come in mate
1: so our first ever festival which was our first ever time out of sydney was rainbow serpent festival 2012
0: Oh <laughs> right okay yeah you would have had to have been uh, pretty pretty different there that's for sure
1: yeah, we were very green. Um, for those who don't know, Rainbow Serpent's a big, like, bush stuff, like, very crazy electronic music way out in the almost, like, dry, I want to say desert. It's not quite a desert, but it's pretty bushy. It's pretty dry out in Victoria, Lexington, Victoria. That's it. Um, we'd never been on a plane before. We'd never been away from Sydney before. This was, like, a huge deal for us. Um, and our set was delayed by an hour, and I basically spent the hour just being anxious, like, you know, this was like the biggest moment of my life, and they were like, Oh, you know, you we said you were going on at three o'clock, but you're going on at four o'clock. And I'm like, Well, you know, we've like advertised our performance, and blah, blah, blah. I now know that's just standard for festivals, but at the time I was like devastated. Up. And my two bandmates, rather than join me and just like stressing out about all these hippies that couldn't stay on time, they're just like, they basically went for a walk, they disappeared. And they came back with what we now know as the calidad face paint and i was just like are you effing kidding me like you know we've got the biggest show of our lives and you guys are gallivanting around in this face paint like you've got to be jo- you know i don't think you're taking this very seriously and they're like chill out bro relax like whatever and then i'm sitting there I'm like oh well you can't have a band go on stage with two guys in face paint or one guy that isn't right So I was like, God damn it, where did you get your face paint? I'm going to have to do it too, just to, you know, just to match you idiots, like, God damn it. (laughs) And then I went and did it. And um, it's ironically me getting my face painted made us even later than the one hour (laughs) that we were late. So we ended up being late because of me, more late than the (laughs) delay. And uh, we just had such a good show. It just went off and we kind of, that was it. It was like, okay, we've got this persona. We knew we wanted a visual side to the band, Mm. We had experimented with wearing masks, but the thing about a mask is that you can't make any facial uh, gestures at all.
0: Yes, yep.
1: Like a mask, you've just got that one expression and that's all you've got. And the mask, we, we did experiment with that and it was kind of cool, but with the face paint, you're obviously in some kind of character or persona or visual image, but you can still use your face to smile, laugh, frown, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was the perfect balance for us.
0: Amazing, mate.
1: And yeah. then we went back to Melbourne after that festival and a few people turned up to our show and they were basically they were basically disappointed that we weren't wearing the face paint. And we're like, Oh no, 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 that was just a one that was just a special thing. Like, no, we don't do the face paint. We just, you know, listen to the music. And they're like, Yeah, the, the music's cool, but you know and we kinda of felt the same way. We're like, the music's cool, but it was a lot cooler when we had the full show going. Yes. And that was that. That became our thing.
0: My, mate, have you have you explored um, you know kiss and those bands and, and and the show that was actually behind what they actually did and and you touched on iron Maiden before like the, the, these were these were creators like the music was good but but like the the, the stuff that went along with that was was absolutely incredible and um, and that connection that people get with a with 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 a band uh, or you know uh, individuals of that band makes them feel good you know that that's that's the great thing about what you're doing, and that's really what the world needs right
1: now. I know you love Kiss. I can't get into their music, <laughs> and I know it's going to sound ridiculous to some people because we do wear white face paint, and there's a very strong crossover with, obviously, their white face paint. Yeah. But I swear on my life, we never once thought about Kiss when we started wearing white face paint. We were coming more from, like, a the Mexican, like, El Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead kind of imagery. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And if anyone had mentioned KISS in those early days. They would say, hey, you guys look like KISS. We would have said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. Like, we can't, you know, <laughs> KISS have already done the white thing. But I swear, and I know it sounds ridiculous to, for a band to paint their faces white and not think of KISS, but I swear that's what happened. And we'd been doing it for a while, and then people go, hey, you guys look like KISS. We're like, oh, crap, we do it.
0: Yeah.
1: But um, so KISS, I've read all the books they've written and all the books about them. I've studied their career in depth because they're one of the most respected and successful bands ever. But musically, they don't really do it for me. Mm. Mm. Um, and even though I want to commercialize the band, obviously you want to make a living from it, And I'm not afraid. It is a slight bit icky, like, to sell something at the end of a show or be on stage and everyone's having a good time. Hey, guys, by the way, you know, you can get a T-shirt. Like, <laughs> no one really wants to do that. Yeah. Um, some bands refuse to do it. I realized, once again, early on, it's like, well, I'd rather you know, be able to pay for the flight home. So we're going to have to do it, right? Mm. But Kiss, kind of over the top, they're like almost thriving on the fact they don't care about anything but money just about. But one thing about them is that they serve their audience faithfully and loyally no matter what. Mm. And I love that. Mm. Um, a lot of metal, it seems to be a real metal thing, actually. I think a lot of metal bands, Iron Maiden, Metallica, whatever, um understand the importance of the audience to the live experience like the energy of the audience and um so yes kiss musically haven't really influenced me and yes i'm aware of their show and as i said i've read all the books and stuff like that i've even like watched everything on youtube about their manager like i get i'm pretty obsessed with music as you can probably tell mm. and not just music but the music business i'm pretty obsessed with the music business as well so yes i'm aware of their show yes i'm aware of um even like their accountant wrote a book and I read that, you know, like mm, unreal. Um, I never he actually said it for
0: long. Go, go ahead.
1: He said they were broke for a lot longer than anyone thinks. Like even through I think the seventies and the eighties, they were spending more than they were earning, but they had all the fireworks and limos and houses and stuff. Mm. Um according to their accountant, they were they were dead said broke that whole time. But whatever. But yes, I've studied their career like I've studied many other careers. And um, just that, like, insistence on quality, sobriety, because, you know, we're all sober. Like, um, a lot of bands are ruined by drugs and alcohol. Mm. You know, I um, have been completely sober for about 10 years. The other guys, you know, they'll have a beer here and there or whatever, but mm. there's definitely no drugs involved and there's no intoxication involved any anywhere close to the music or the performance. Mm. Mm. Um, and Kiss are big on that, you know, because kind of half the band ruined it with drugs and the other half stayed sober and they're still going. It's, like, pretty stark.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, um, mate, mate, if you think about what you said earlier about, you know, being 13 and the limo and taking the drugs and all that sort of stuff and that was your rock star lifestyle, what, what is so important and so what's so needed here is you're doing what you, you do from your heart. You're not doing it because of ego. And, and that's where that, uh, that differentiator, differentiator is, you know, and you see it in modern life, not just in music but in, in, in various, um, you know, forms. Uh, people from doing it with an intention or people people doing it from love, a place of love. And when you're doing it from a place of love and enjoyment, then, you know, I believe everything does, you know, take care of itself.
1: I agree. And there was definitely some real ego in the early days when we were, you know, teenagers and starting our first heavy metal band. We thought that was how bands should and did behave. And we, you know, carried on like that a bit. Um, Obviously with, you know, no results no positive results but yeah you kind of i don't know that that, that was the, i think the narrative has probably changed even since then to now but like that was definitely what people thought a band should be also people sometimes still say it to me like you know they'll offer me a oh have a shot before you go on stage no thanks i don't actually drink alcohol mm. oh what kind of guitar player are you what kind of band are you like <laughs> that still happens all the time yeah yeah um you
0: know
1: yes it still happens all the time or why aren't you coming to the after party? I thought you were, you know, I thought you were a musician. Like, why are you going to bed early after such a good show? It's like, well, I want to have a good show tomorrow as well mm. for the other people in the next town. So there's still that pressure. But, um, yes, we actually love the music and the act of playing the music, how the music sounds, seeing the people dance. That's what we love.
0: Yeah, and that's your high. That's you the height that we love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's your high. You don't need a... Uh... Uh, an outside influence to, to, get to that stage where you can perform, you know, uh, really if you're, I don't really like that word perform. You're actually, if you're doing something you love and people are really enjoying that, then that's, that's beautiful. But if you're actually doing it for an outcome, uh, you know, you're getting up there because, you know, you, you want to achieve dollars or you want to achieve, you know, something in return, then, uh, then it just doesn't work, and that's that really fractures us as humans, I believe. But I, I reckon, you know, if you're 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 really passionate about what you're doing, and you're you're really in flow with it, and you you're able to you know, be able to create a, an environment which is safe for people, and they can let their hair down and be themselves, and that's what you know that's what our purpose here as humans is right at the end of the day to be in that community in that flow and in that tribe mentality where we can sort of be ourselves without sort of judgment or any of the um the things that sort of society expects of us you know i saw you guys putting on a great show here last week and for anyone that's listening these guys you know come up to play for my 50th birthday and um uh you know I, I just sat back and watched it. people have had a good time you know I I just I just really was grateful for everyone to 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 actually um you know find some enjoyment in, in the evening and and you guys you know for putting for putting on such a great um a great uh, show for the people there was was um you know it in its essence you know at the end of the day and I, I guess um yeah you know humans are meant to be interacting and and you know having a good time without Without you know the, the all the all the I suppose the trimmings that modern society sort of puts on us, which um takes us out of alignment, and uh, you know, mate, I just I just really hope that you guys um you know, uh, continue to evolve and and be able to embrace more more regions around the country and around the world because it's going to bring happiness to a lot of people and it's also going to bring you know joy to your lives even more and you, you need to be proud of yourself for what you've created and also what you've been able to do within your own journey to be resilient enough to, to avoid you know drinking and drugs and all the all the traps that um that go along with um you know working in your industry because so many people you know can get stuck and um um you know uh you know get involved in that scene which doesn't serve you at the end of the day
1: totally thank you for your kind words you're so kind you're such a lovely person <laughs>
0: i appreciate we're all
1: still trying i'm still battling everything you just said i'm still battling to be like more confident more myself you know more like uh i still question the path all the time even though i'll never leave the path Mm. you still constantly question or i know i do so it's it's not like the battle is won but you just keep on keeping on and keep trying
0: well, that, that, that part of your brain is there to protect you, you know, at the end of the day, that's that, that what's called the negative mind. So it'll always be there to, to, you know, give you the self-doubt and the judgment and so forth. But if you can stay true to, to what you really believe in, then, then things usually, you know, evolve and, and opportunities open up and um, and that as well because you, you're living in more in alignment. But, you know, just be, just be careful. I wouldn't say careful, but just be mindful of that, you know, because you guys are... You know, doing such a great thing you know, all the right things will, will evolve and appear uh, over the journey there's no doubt Jase so how can people get hold of you mate if they wanted to um maybe uh maybe look at booking you for a gig or just uh, maybe buying your music or, or getting involved in your music somehow
1: sure well they have just got to find Calidad online so the band name is spelled K-A-L-L-I-D-A-D and whether you're looking on YouTube Spotify Calidad.com uh, Bandcamp where our merchandise is sold so or Facebook whatever whatever element of the online world you'd like to uh, engage with us on just find the band Calidad and we'll be there as I said before we're completely independent so to be a band member that receives your message or your comment or whatever it'd be one of the three of us yeah. and uh, please do we'd love to we'd love to meet some new people and have some new listeners and we'll be touring around the country and the world in 2022 so please come and see us and stay in touch we're very very approachable and it's all about as you said that human connection that's what we're all about we're not about big uh, corporations or big videos or you know marketing campaigns or something it's about person to person gig to gig mm. and we love every moment of it
0: and not getting too far out of yourself and and that's uh that's really what you've been doing mate and geez you know 2022 is going to be awesome i'd love to see some um some some rural communities you know getting you out there um to play if you can fit it in because uh would just be such a great thing for uh, for small towns uh, like Agnes Water where I am to be able to have you guys up here and, uh, you know, you, you saw the, the joy on people's faces how how great it is to have someone come into the town um, that can provide, um, you know, um, I suppose something different and, uh, you know, when that happens uh, it's really embraced by the community and there's so many communities like this around Australia which can really need uh, or re- really do with, um, you know, some some uh some support and uh you know some 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 i suppose grounding and satisfaction away from the norm you know and uh yeah mate i'm sure things will uh will continue to evolve so really grateful for your time mate and um yeah i'm sure we're going to have more more conversations in the future so i'm really grateful uh, to get to know you and uh, the best is yet to come
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure. And you mentioned this when we first spoke, but uh, if you ever want to talk to either of the other two guys in the band, I'm sure they'd love to talk to you, and they would have a totally different outlook to me as well. So just let me know if you ever want to talk to either Tommy or Jules. I'm sure they'd, um, you know, they would love it, and they'd, they'd have a totally different message to me, and totally different opinions on everything. And that's what makes it. That's what makes life interesting.
0: And a different life experience in general, you know. So everyone's unique, and. Um uh yeah mate but let's let's book that in i think i think people would would actually love to hear uh their stories as well so we'll uh we'll organize some dates and get that happening mate for sure cool well
1: thanks for inviting me i really appreciate it i really enjoyed it
0: Guys, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. What an amazing young man. Very mature for 34. And um, obviously uh, the world's a much better place for him not taking um, the, the law path, which which he was looking to do. So I uh, really encourage you to check out their work. They're an amazing um, band, but also ama- amazing people. So um, uh, au. Um, if you want to reach out to Jason, um, yeah, just, just uh, shoot him a message via Facebook and he'll be able to get back to you, I reckon, and uh, reach out to them and, and try and get them out to your community at some point if you can fit it in. I'm sure they'd love to get out there and meet new people and and bring their, uh, their magic to your town. So, um, yeah, please share this podcast with others. I'm sure it's uh, going to help uh, a few people um, uh, understand uh, what life's all about and be able to sort of, you know, work towards being okay to be different uh, at the end of the day not worrying about um, all the other stuff you know live in your alignment and uh, your purpose and everything will take care of itself hope you enjoyed that look forward to talking to you with uh, some more podcasts soon cheers